This Sunday, December 12th, we celebrate the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, an important day for all of us in the American continent, but particularly for those in Latin America and, especially, in Mexico. In 1531, a lady from heaven appeared to a peasant by the name of Juan Diego just outside Mexico City. She said to him, Know for certain that I am the perfect and perpetual Virgin Mary, Mother of the true God, and instructed him to have the bishop build a temple on that site. Juan Diego was not too sure about this, and Mary said to him, Do not be afraid. Am I not here? Am I not your mother? As proof of her apparition, she left an image of herself imprinted miraculously on his tilma. This poor quality cactus cloth should not have lasted 20 years, but shows no sign of decay almost 500 years later, and still defies all scientific explanations of its origin. This single event was the defining one for Catholicism in Mexico and in Latin America. In less than 20 years, some 9 million Mexicans were converted to Christianity. Our Lady of Guadalupe is the patroness of the Americas and a clear sign that healing and reconciliation between the church and indigenous peoples is possible. So this weekend, let's celebrate the Church of the Americas, but also let's pray for healing, peace, truth, and reconciliation for indigenous peoples, for the church, and all the people of the Americas. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and with me today is Jermaine Bagnall, who has been working hard. You're a hard-working man. I, sir, am just trying to be like you. And, <laughs> you know, and, and ultimately, you know, there's there's a lot of good work to be done, so we just try to do our best. I know, I know. That's that's a good way to look at it, but it's true. There's so many great stories to tell and so, so that we just can't keep up. Um, but, uh, some of the work that you've been doing involves reading, uh, you know, reading all night, reading lots of books. Yep. Yep. When, when not telling stories on behold or interviewing amazing Catholics on working in faith, uh, taking time to, uh, peruse some fine Catholic literature and good. I have a couple good ones this week. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to tell us about that now, but before that, we're going to be speaking with Amanda Griffin of aid to the church in need. As you know, Jermaine, they, we started doing a segment with them uh, yes. where God helps. And so this week, Amanda is going to tell us uh, what Christmas looks like for those who are helping those in need. Um, and we know that a lot of the people that they're helping are, are refugees or people that are in crisis situations in, in other countries, in developing countries. Mm -hmm. So that'll be uh, Where God Helps with Amanda Griffin in about five minutes. And then Jermaine, I don't know, are there any any teasers here you want to tell us about your uh, books, children's books? Well, I guess uh, two two little nuggets. One, yes, there will be a children's book. <laughs> and two... Uh, another book that features Pope Francis. Oh, very good. Okay, so that's book ends with Germain in about 15 minutes. And then, um, as you know, Germain, the Canadian bishops were working on taking a delegation of Indigenous elders and knowledge keepers and youth to meet with Pope Francis. And I, I don't think yeah. I'm, I'm spoiled. It's just not a spoiler here because by now I think it's clear that the, that the trip's going to get rescheduled because of the uh 
just the COVID situation worldwide is we don't even know if airports are going to be open two weeks from now. Um, But um, Archbishop uh, Donald Bolin of Regina is still going to join us today uh, because it's still important to talk about why that visit has to happen. It's not canceled. It's just rescheduled and uh, maybe give us an update on that. So I'm going to be speaking with Archbishop Don Bolin of Saskatchewan of Regina uh, who was in the working group planning this delegation uh, to go to Rome. So he's going to join us in about 25 minutes. And then I'm very excited because we're going to get to meet, well, I've met him 20 or more years ago, but he's a Canadian Catholic music pioneer. Like when nobody was doing Catholic music in Canada, Dennis Grady was out there with his guitar doing his thing. Um, OG to OG. He's the guy. So um, he's been on the show like 11 years ago when we first started, but he has not really returned because he has not been doing a lot of new music. And the reason is because he's been doing all this amazing missionary work that he wants to tell us about. And we want to hear about um, through a group that he founded that's called Franciscan and Friends. He's a third order Franciscan. And so I'm really excited to have Dennis Grady back. It's an excuse to listen to some of his, his songs. Um, and then he's going to tell us about this wonderful work that he's doing with Franciscan and friends in about 45 minutes. Great, um, great work and great music. Looking forward to it. I love his stuff. I mean, it's country music is not the, the genre for a lot of people, but there's just, I, I love his stuff. It's just so, it feels so warm and homey and people are going to love to hear what he's doing uh, in Calgary uh, through Franciscan and friends. Anyway, so if people cannot stay and listen to the, re- to the whole show, uh, make sure that you go to our website, slmedia.org, and, and that's where you can listen to the program. You can also subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. So Jermaine, how about we start with a song? Are you ready for your little bit of country music? Hey, you know what? I've, I've become a bit of a fan. Uh, there's, there's good in every genre, so I have there, That's true. It's all right in well, you're going to like Dennis Grady. So here's Dennis Grady with I Feel You Coming Closer from his album, Jesus Never Wrote a Bad Check. The sun is rising on this land and here we go again. Another spin on life's big wheel I place my Side my door, he's calling 
That was Dennis Grady with I Feel You Coming Closer from his album Jesus Never Wrote a Bad Check. And we're going to be speaking with Dennis Grady in about 40 minutes, so I hope that you can stick around for that. And now it's time for... Where God Helps with Amanda Griffin from Aid to the Church in Need, Canada. Amanda, welcome back. Hello, Deacon Pedro. So happy to be here with you. Yes. So yesterday, uh, Friday, December 10th, was a, an important day, International mm-hmm. Human Rights Day. I don't think I had even heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's the United Nations UN International Human Rights Day is December 10th every year. And um, for each of the church in need, it was particularly particularly important in Canada uh, for us as we launched um, the report Hear Her Cries, mm-hmm. um, which was uh, our yeah. my colleague Ed Clancy spoke about it on your last show. Um, it's a report about women and girls and how they suffer um, persecution in a very particular way um, and violence in a very particular way in situations of um, war Mm -hmm. and um, because of their faith. Right. So this report, it's a very underreported issue um, and it's very important to us at Aid to the Church in Need. And we, we hope that people will come to our website and read about it and learn about it and speak about it. Yeah. So it's a, that's yeah, and I hope that they do. It's a it's a bit of a not not of a joyful report, but but it's important for us to read. However, something joyful did happen yesterday. Am I correct? Something joyful did happen, and actually, this news you can find on the Church in Need ACN USA website. Very exciting. Um, the Cathedral of Our Lady of Arabia was consecrated on December 10th in Bahrain. Wow. In Bahrain. And according to the article, there's an estimated 2.5 million Catholics who are mostly migrant workers in that area. And mm-hmm. so this is this is a project that ACN also has supported the building of over the years. Very exciting to have this presence in Bahrain. So you can read about it or our, the, your listeners can read about it more on uh, ACN USA's Yeah, website. no, I'm going to read about it because uh, I, I didn't even know that that was possible to have an actual Catholic church in a country like Bahrain. Um, Isn't so it? That's exciting news. I think I kind of want to hear more about that. Maybe we can do a whole segment on that. Um, yeah. But you also have some reports because we've been talking about what Christmas looks like for the kind of people that your organization helps. Um, yes. This, yeah. That this is this is what we wanted to to share with you. This this show um, was how we are so touched every year by the faith and the the spirit of Christians around the world who are living in situations that are unthinkable. Mm-hmm. And um, this year we have uh, internationally in Canada and U.S. you can find these projects and we're calling them gifts of faith. Okay. Now, whether or not people are coming to donate, I invite you to come and watch the videos that where we're showing these people speak about how they're living Christmas in refugee camps, how they're living Christmas, even with despair, saying that we're not going to let these circumstances um, take away, uh, have us abandon God. Wow. 
It's very powerful. And, you know, it, it's, we're, we're living through difficult circumstances in, in the Western world, but we can get really centered on that and forget about how much we have to be grateful for and forget about our faith and forget about uh, how our faith carries us. So particularly um, today, I'd like to talk to you about um, uh, this video about this little boy in Lebanon mm-hmm. who was born into as a refugee. He talks about it um, from Syria, living in Lebanon, and what Christmas is like for him and his family this year. Um, we also take you to Nigeria, um, where uh, people have been displaced in in the hundreds of thousands because of terrorism because of Boko Haram yes which is a terrorist group um and have really lost everything like absolutely everything but they again you know they're saying this christmas for some people it's it's very heavy and christmas is like another day mm-hmm. but there are others who are saying you know their faith is the one thing they have to hold on to and they're going to find a way to celebrate Christmas. And so you can go and hear the words of the bishop in, who's working in these camps and, and be inspired and be inspired in your own faith. It, it's really uh, very touching. So I invite you to go watch that one. Yes. And lastly, another video I'll talk to you about that really touched me is from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, where actually they've also for years and years experienced so many different difficulties, but one of the more recent ones was a terrible volcano disaster that displaced, again, hundreds of thousands of people. And, you know, there's footage uh, in refugee camps where they've set up a chapel and a nativity scene outdoors, wrapped in tarps. Wow. And this is where they're going to pray and they're saying, we're, go- we're going to hold on to our faith and we're going to hold on to the meaning of Christmas despite our very difficult misery. And they speak of gratitude, you know, and they speak of gratitude for the people who are helping them. It- it's very moving. So again, um, you can go to the website. It's called Gifts, Ace- Gifts of Faith. Gifts well, of faith. I'll- Gift of Faith, yeah. Gift of Faith. Um, and uh, go through these different projects and watch the videos and, um and light up your heart. Yeah, what a great initiative because it is truly, I mean, people give to aid to the church in need and through your work are able to help all these people. But in a way, now these people are giving giving back a gift to us by saying, by giving us, I mean, by reminding us, as you said, like we're so we're so blessed here. We have everything. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and I, and Christmas, we just take it for granted. And here are these people that have nothing that have lost everything, everything and are still yeah. able to really focus on what Christmas really means. I mean, the, the real meaning of Christmas and, and uh, I hate to say that we need that reminder, but um, thanks to these people mm. and the work that you guys do, we are, we are able to, to, to keep in mind what's the most important thing. That's yeah. very well said. I mean, we're definitely so humbled by yeah. this courage and the spirit and even the despair, you know, it's finding the light in the despair. And, and yeah. 
we sometimes we forget how to do that. So. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Lots of light, even in the darkness. Anyway, thank you. So all these stories can be, and more can be found. All the videos can be found and shared. I guess people should share yes. them as well. Um, at both the websites, I'll, I'll give you the websites at the end, but it's gift of faith at aid to the church in need in Canada and in the U S thank you, mm-hmm. Amanda. Um, Thank you for, again, I say this every time you're on the program, but thank you for the work you guys do, but mm-hmm. and thank you for, for bringing these stories to us. Uh, Cause they, they are an inspiration um, for us mm-hmm. and, and hopefully for our listeners as well. And thank you for sharing this light and the, the, the light of our project partners around the world and these stories. It's so important. And I wish you a very Merry Christmas. Yes, you too. Happy, happy uh, end of the Advent season and a yes. Merry Christmas to you and to all your colleagues. Thank you. And to yours. God bless. Amanda Griffin is the English communications officer and digital manager at Aid to the Church in Need in Canada. You can find out more about Aid to the Church in Need and watch those wonderful videos at acn-canada.org. And if you're in the U.S., you can go to churchinneed.org. Coming up is Jermaine with a few good suggestions for your Christmas holiday reading, so stay tuned. Hello, hello, I'm Benjamin Cello, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview again, go to slmedia.org podcast. All our shows are archived there. And now it's time for book ends with Jermaine Bagnall, who's still doing the little country dance, country music dance. No. Um, Getting a have... little... All right. So are we going to start with the book? You, you said you have two books. One's a children's book. One's a Pope Francis book. So where are we going to go first? We are going to jump in with the Pope Francis book. All right. This is, it's kind of like a continuation of the last one I'd shared where it was stories of, uh, children writing in letters to Pope Francis and he would answer. Okay. We're going to the other end of the spectrum. This book is called Sharing the Wisdom of Time. It's by Pope Francis and Friends. So there are contributors, people who are interviewing seniors. So this book is a collection of, of wisdom, of experiences from seniors. And oh, wow. people who are aged 60, 70, 80, 90, approaching 100. Wow, and what an idea. The, oh, it's just wonderful. And the book is broken into a couple different sections. So you have work, struggle, love, death, and hope. And, and within each chapter, you, you just get this w- deep wisdom that comes from lives well-lived. And it really speaks to the importance of bridging uh, generational divides. Because mm-hmm. as, as young people, I don't think I'm kind of in the middle. I don't think I qualify as young people anymore, <laughs> no. uh, but it is important for, for, for young people to, to realize uh, the wisdom that's out there. One of the quotes within the book, uh, one, of the, one of the people said is that like for young people, their, their history is be, being written and mm. their experience is being written. So they are finding their way and this book presents opportunities for, for, for young people, for all people, actually, to learn from the wisdom of, of work, of the value of work, of, of how overcoming struggle. Like, and, and within this, they're, you know, they're sharing their nuggets of uh, what they experience, of how they 
persevere okay. uh, by, by being anchored in their faith. Like there's this one story of, of death that, that broke my heart. This woman in Madagascar uh, basically outlived all of her children. Both of them, she had mm. married and remarried. Both of her husbands died and it was just her alone. But yet she still found such beauty and strength within her faith. Hmm. And it, it, that, that blew my mind just to, to experience so much loss, but still to uh, have so much love right. uh, within the chapter of love. You know, you hear about these couples together for 40, 50, almost 60 years hmm. and talking about how important their, their faith has been in that and, yeah. and just cherishing their loved one. And it, honestly, it's just so beautiful. There, there's a few responses like, Pope Francis doesn't respond to each and every individual interview, but he does come in and out of the book. So it's, it's really a platform for, for these, uh, for these other stories. So is it, is it like the, uh, the children's book that you did last time in that these are letters that older people have written to the Pope, or these are actually interviews that were done with these people? There are interviews that were done and, yeah. and transcribed uh, for for the Pope and for all of us. Uh, so it, it it's you really you really feel mm -hmm. within, within. So it feels like a conversation, almost like a conversation. A hundred percent, and even some of them are transcribed where there's the interviewer and the interviewee. I see. So it, it's really fly on the I wall. See. And, okay. and it and instead of children artwork you're getting portraiture photography. Okay, so we do see the photos of the people. And you're saying it's not a it's not a book that's only for young people to learn from the wisdom of of the older people, it's a book for everyone. So a book book for everyone because it's like while while we're here, we have an opportunity to learn. So this book just it, it really lives up to the name of sharing the wisdom of our sharing time. the wisdom so of I, time. I cannot, yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. It's That's it's great. Mhm. And now uh, our children's book this yeah. week is The Shepherd's Story. It's by Jimmy Dune, illustrated by Ivan Kravetz. Mm -hmm. And the, the book is actually, it's actually one long poem. Okay. So it's a story of, of the little shepherd boy witnessing the, the, the birth of Jesus. And, and it's beautifully illustrated. It's, it's really simple. And it, I think it makes for like a great story for kids, a great bedtime story. Uh, but the thing that I really liked about this is that Loyola Press took it a step further and they have a whole website dedicated to the book. Okay. So parents obviously can read the book with their children, but also with the, this additional uh, digital section with the book, uh, Loyola Press has uh, a YouTube video. So there's people who are singing the book to children. Oh uh, there's, there's activities uh, associated. So there's a maze, there's scripture activities, there's even a play. So if this is something that's interested for at the school level, like somebody can actually uh, have the kids perform the play. Oh, wow. What a great so idea. Really interesting. Yeah. It, it's so great. I, I really love how they've made this available because all of these activities that I'm mentioning on the site are free. So yeah, it's that's great. great. So, so it's yeah. Loyola. It's both books are Loyola press. And you're saying that if people go to the Loyola press website and they look for the shepherd story, they can find these other resources, these digital resources yeah, and other. 
the, the resources themselves will exist on shepherdstory.com. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but you can get them on Loyal Press or find these wherever you buy your books. That's great. Thank you. Um, Jermaine, before we go, I wanted to ask you, I'm sure you're looking forward to a little break, a little holiday, uh, but you're going to be doing some reading. What, what books do you have ready to, to read right. over the holiday? I have, a, I have a couple lined up. Uh, I have a children's series. Uh, the gift series, Meredith's gift and Leo's gift. They're actually authored by Joellen Ciciarelli, who's the president of Loyola Press. Oh. And if you want to get to know her, check check out my interview with her in season one of Working in Faith. <laughs> we talk about books. We talk about a lot of great things. We talk about Mr. Rogers. Okay, so check good, that out. good plug uh, in. Quick plug. Uh, and the other books that I have lined up, Five Things with Father Bill, Hope, Humor, and Help for the Soul. Really excited about that one. And, and there's one more uh, that I'm going to check out. The Ignatian Guide to Forgiveness, 10 Steps to Healing. Because you know what? It's always good to learn these wonderful things. Okay. So maybe when you come back in the new year, we can talk about some of these books. I also have some books. Um, yeah, what's on your deck, Doctor? Well... I, I'm always reading like three, four books at the same time, but I'm looking forward to reading uh, Fiorella Di Maria's uh, latest book. It's called This Thing of Darkness. It's a novel. And Fiorella has been on this show. Uh, it's published by Ignatius. So I'm looking forward to that. That's my little fiction book. Um, and I just received a book by Peter Kreeft, philosopher Peter Kreeft. And his latest book is called The Greatest Philosopher Who Ever Lived. And I'm not going to tell you who that is. You're going to have to get the book and find out who Peter Kreeft is, is writing about Peter. He's a great writer. So uh, if people want to look up Peter Kreeft and then I actually, I do, if I can squeeze one more, I just got a book called Mr. Nicholas. Have you heard about Mr. Nicholas's I have not. Christopher de Vink. It's a Christmas story. Um, and it's like Mr. Christmas, Mr. Mr. Nicholas's a Christmas tale. Is this um, like a Santa Claus Saint Nick? Or is no, this I think Mr. Nicholas, I haven't read it yet, but I've heard good things about it. It's like Mr. Nicholas is like the guy who owns the hardware store in the neighborhood kind of thing. Okay. So, so by uh, Christopher DeVink. So I've got these three books lined up for my Christmas reading. Um, uh, so maybe people can also uh, tell us what they're reading over the holidays and, and uh, let us know. Um, yeah. Tweet at us. Let us know what, what we should be reading. For we sure. Okay. Never have too long of a list. Never, never can uh, be not reading. Thank you, Jermaine. Have a blessed end of the Advent season and a great Christmas. And uh, we'll have you back on the show in the new year. Same to you. Jermaine Bagnell, he's our book contributor and the producer of the Salt and Light production, Working in Faith. And also, Behold, you can watch both those programs at slmedia.org. And you can follow him at Jermaine Bagnell. Coming up in our second half hour, indigenous leaders to travel to Rome to meet with the Pope and we reconnect with singer-songwriter Dennis Grady. So don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. A few months ago, it was announced that Canadian bishops would be traveling to Rome with a delegation of indigenous survivors, elders, knowledge keepers, and youth to meet with Pope Francis. 
The meetings were scheduled to take place between December 17th to the 20th this year. However, due to uncertainty and potential health risks surrounding international travel right now with the new Omicron COVID-19 variant, the trip is being rescheduled for next year. The Vatican is committed to rescheduling, and so maybe it's not now, but the trip will happen. In order to tell us all we need to know, earlier this week I spoke with Archbishop Donald Bolin of Regina, one of the organizers of the delegation. Archbishop Don, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks very much. Great to be with you. So I can imagine how turbulent the last couple of days have been for you. It must have been a difficult decision to reschedule. But since the meeting is still going to take place, we're not canceling. Can you remind us of what the purpose of the trip is? Sure. Yes, the last couple of days have been turbulent. But I mean, <laughs> no, they've been building on the good relations that we've built with national indigenous organizations over the past months, mm-hmm. uh, something which we certainly see as continuing. So those organizations are the AFN for First Nations, the Métis National Council, MNC, and the ITK is the Inuit uh, National Organization. Right. And, uh, you know, we worked closely with them and will continue to do so in, in trying to bring a group of survivors, uh, elders, knowledge keepers, and youth accompanied by their political leadership, mm-hmm. uh, chiefs, uh, and accompanied by bishops, in order to meet Pope Francis and to have a, to give an opportunity to Pope Francis to really listen to and engage with Indigenous peoples, to hear the waves of suffering, uh, often connected with residential schools, and the various kinds of abuse that were suffered there, to hear something of the richness of their culture and tradition and ways, uh, and to to engage with them, and uh, to really mm-hmm. let the Holy Spirit lead us. Uh, there, there's just been a longstanding request from indigenous leaders uh, to engage with Pope Francis in this regard. Right. So it's, it's a, I think a fairly simple purpose. I mean, it's just to, to have the Holy Father wants to listen to them. Um, I know I'm, I'm assuming that there've been talks about maybe doing the meetings virtually because the meetings would have happened last year. They had, this is the second time it gets sort of postponed. Um, mm-hmm. Was that considered to do it virtually? And, and if not, why, why not? Well, I suppose because it wasn't considered okay. because there is this desire for a personal encounter and uh, you know, call to action 58 specifically spoke about the Pope coming to Canada to apologize on this land, that there's that desire for personal, personal engagement. And uh, we want to create that opportunity. And Pope yeah. is very, very open to it. So um, the decision was to, to work towards uh, new dates uh, and from everybody's right. perspective as soon as possible. Yeah, and I know that the the Holy Father is probably also very committed and, and keen of having that that meeting in person. Um, in in two thousand and nine, a much smaller delegation went and met with Pope Benedict. Um, would you say that the purpose is different? It's changed. I mean, the, the size of this delegation it's like a 30 delegates that are going. And as you mentioned, there's other people that are going. It's almost like 70 people are, are traveling. Why, why is it different? What has changed? Well, I, there's one continuity. That's the chief and then national chief, uh, Phil Fontaine. Phil Fontaine is, is uh, returning. Yes. Still going to be part of this delegation. Uh, so that'd be a great question to ask him or to ask Archbishop <laughs> Weisgerber. Right. Um, but, but 
you know, we had not gone through the truth and reconciliation process by that point. Uh, um, there was a request to engage with Pope Francis and to hear him say he was sorry uh, for what was suffered in residential schools. Um, but in that interim, you know, we have lived as nation and as church through the truth and reconciliation process, which really mm. took us all to school. For yes. us as Catholics, it's been, it's been really difficult because it's challenged the dominant narrative that we had about residential schools, uh, that they were uh, largely really good institutions um, where occasionally some bad things happened. Uh, now we've, we've flipped that, you know, these were institutions geared towards assimilation, which in retrospect, you know, wish we wouldn't have been involved in, right. uh, but where many women and men really served generously and gave of themselves. But in the context of a, of, of a structure and a system which, to, you know, separated children from their families and, mm -hmm. and uh, not every school did this, but by and large, you know, suppressed language, culture, uh, traditions and ways, um, which are directly related to the, uh, you know, the injustices and the, the way in which if you look at societal indicators of well-being today, where Indigenous people are struggling, right, in terms of access to water and health care, mm -hmm. incarceration rates, addiction rates, family breakdown, um, that is the intergenerational legacy and trauma that flows from the Indian Act and all that it contained, and most especially residential schools. And, and we recognize that now, yeah. um, but we didn't. <laughs> so Yeah, you're right. It's true learning. that the, that, that truth and reconciliation really did take us to school. Um, and you mentioned the calls to action. So, so those call, for, for our listeners, those calls to actions came out of the, this commission, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. You mentioned call to action 58, which calls for the Holy Father to, to, to make an apology, but to make an apology in Canada, that looks like it is a possibility. Would the Holy Father, was it expected that he, I mean, we can't know what he would have done, but was right. it expected that he would make an apology when the delegates are in Rome? You know what? I mean, the, the Holy Father uh, exercises his leadership in a free way. So we, we were really creating a space where Indigenous people could speak and he would respond from his heart. Right. Um, and exactly what shape that would take was not for us to to decide what we what we do see as our responsibility is to share with the Holy See uh, what indigenous people were hoping for from this dele delegation, something of the words that they would want to speak and something of the words that they would want to hear from him. Mm -hmm. And uh, so and, and those words include, you know, a real words of great respect and dignity for them and that he's sorry uh for what they suffered but but you know it's not for us to know exactly what shape that encounter would take right but I trust the holy spirit that it would be good and that it would be life-giving for everybody involved and that it would help help root us in a new path or a new way of walking together mm -hmm. in this time of where we're speaking a lot about synodality it's very much the language of our work uh, in preparation for this, uh, uh, for this delegation and for a papal visit. How do we walk together in a non-colonial way? Yes. How do we walk together in a way that uh, 
really respects indigenous culture, language, traditions, and ways, seeks to learn from them, appreciates the, their resilience and the wisdom, and uh, shares our own traditions and wisdom. And, and uh, so I think that's what we're searching for, right? Mm -hmm. We're searching for, and it, and it can be exemplary or, or an archetype for the country of how to walk together and live together in a, in a good way. Right. And that's something that we should be doing, whether there was a delegation or not going. Um, does the postponing allow for, for, the, for the journey to continue in a way that would actually make the, the delegation when it goes in a, be in a better place? Well, I think that's the challenge that our eyes have opened up to as of yesterday, right? <laughs> <laughs> because so much focus was on the delegation because, my goodness, what a lot to organize. Um, so, so much as energy has been invested in making this the best experience possible. Mm -hmm. But, but now that we've got a gap, um, the question is, you know, we've done so much in the last few months. Uh, relationships have improved so significantly mm -hmm. and built strong relationships. So now the question is, uh, if we don't have the the delegation and the return from the delegation as a real impetus to to take new steps what's what steps can we take now so mm -hmm. i think it's a moment full of opportunity uh, and it a lot of that has to happen on local levels yes i mean the bishops working group is working with national organizations but every diocese and in many instances parishes uh where there are indigenous people where there's a possibility of strengthening relations uh of listening to survivors of hearing stories of finding out how we can walk in solidarity uh, what are their needs and their desires where do we share dreams uh, you know so that mm. that walking together doesn't doesn't stop yes. and it doesn't fundamentally happen on a national level yes. you know and, and, it, but yeah. it happens in every region so yeah. that's that's the window of opportunity is for us to really take up that that challenge and invitation in, in a new way and there's also an opportunity for us to continue schooling ourselves, educating ourselves. And I think that that's part of what you, sure. with through, through the conference, but also the, the, the Advent reflections that you recorded, um, which are something that has been done in the past in terms of helping us journey through Advent, but in a very specific way, uh, there's a connection here. Um, so thank you for doing that. I, I guess as we approach the end of Advent, um, and I'm thinking this weekend as we celebrate the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, mm -hmm. there's Beautiful. probably an opportunity there. Yeah. Well, I just I just want to acknowledge that there was a whole committee of people that did work yes. on those homilies. So I really <laughs> and they're <laughs> and they're hidden and generous souls. So, so a real shout out to uh, to that working group that really assisted in the preparation of those materials and not just the homilies but the other materials and resources that are on the Bishops Conference website, uh, which are really a way of helping to uh, connect all our parishes and all our people with. Uh, not just the delegation, but this new way of walking together with Indigenous peoples. Yes, and we'll we'll let people know where they can access those uh, resources uh, at the end of the program. Archbishop, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. I hope you can take a couple of days of, of, of breathing um, now <laughs> and uh, enjoy the rest of, of the Advent season and have a blessed uh, Christmas. Thank you so much. God bless and greetings to everybody at Salt and Light and uh, all the listeners out there. Thank you. 
Archbishop Donald Bolin is the Archbishop of Regina. You can learn more about the work of the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops with Indigenous Peoples at their website, cccb.ca. That's also where you can watch Archbishop Bolin's Advent Reflections and find all those other resources he mentioned. Be sure to follow the Indigenous delegation when they travel to Rome on our website, slmedia.org. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Dennis Grady, with the title track of his album, Grace in the Strangest Places. Tell me about the faith you offer. Tell me about the gift you bring. My heart is longing for some answers. I need some light. I need was Dennis Grady with Grace in the Strangest Places from his album of the same name. I've known Dennis Grady for some 20 years. Way before anyone was doing Catholic music in Canada, Dennis was out there with his guitar, paving the way for the rest of us. Dennis was on the Sultanite Hour when we first started the show some 11 years ago and hasn't been back because he hasn't been releasing a lot of new music. But there's a good reason for that. And that is because of the work that he's been doing with Franciscan and Friends. And so to tell us more, I'm now joined by Dennis Grady. Dennis, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. It's good to see you, my friend. Yeah, good to see you too, Pedro. So um, it's not entirely correct for me to say that you're not doing music anymore, because music is a huge part of what you're doing. Tell oh, us. It's a valuable tool in the toolbox. Um. Everybody in Canada is talking about reconciliation. How are you guys going about reconciliation with our Indigenous peoples? We're very basic. We just go out to the reserves and we meet people. And it's been nice because several of the reserves here have some really dedicated priests, which gives us a community connection. Mm -hmm. But um, one priest, Father Longvu at uh, Siksika, 
gave me the keys to the church. And so we've been doing concerts and uh, we've been doing special dinners and AA talks. So little by little, you meet people. And our approach has always been to listen, you know, to be educated. We, we really need to understand generational trauma, residential schools. And I think when the, the nation um, has the experience of people listening to them, it's, mm-hmm. they recognize that because a lot of people want to come in with solutions and, you know, maybe minimize. But when you see I'm, I'm out there four or five times a month on the different reserves and you see the impact of some folks' lives mm-hmm. and also the, the treatment they get because, you know, the racism issue. But, you know, Billy Graham had a great line that I picked up years ago, go with the goers. Yeah. So you, you get an idea and they say, OK, let's just do this thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when music has been part of it, we we've done some festivals and that's where we've met a lot of people. We had a patron put up five thousand bucks for a talent contest. They love contests. Yeah. We had these categories, best band for second, third solo and then kids. Um, it's fascinating because you didn't start with this idea. It's like, okay, we're going to go do reconciliation. Let's go into the reserve. I mean, the Franciscan and Friends has been doing this kind of work for a long time. Um, I know you've done, you know, uh, mission trips abroad and stuff, and I want to ask you about that. But how did Franciscan and Friends start? Well, you were in on the genesis because I had been touring Italy with those crazy Italians. <laughs> God rest uh, Roberto Bignoli's Roberto Bignoli. soul. But, you know, that tour was really a, a kind of a painful but a good lesson because when I came back, um, there was this thought, well, I'll just forget it. Go back to a day job. Mm-hmm. And then the phone rings, and it's Father Edwin Joseph Paniagua from a parish in North Toronto. And he said, we're looking for some Italian music. We're an Italian parish. Right. And one thing led to another. And then he said, can you coordinate a tour? And I was able to bring in, like, we have a lot of recovering drug addicts, alcoholics from other denominations. But they, they work well together. And they understand going out in ministry, like in love and, and the connection that music can provide. So from that, we met Derek Fields from Barbados and um, Bernadette Scott from Trinidad would phone me like every three or four months. And in 2005, she called and, you know, they talked, they, she said, brother, I've been talking to the spirit. And I said, oh yeah, what's the spirit saying? She said, well, they'll phone you and to see if you can get those recovering drug addicts and alcoholics to come down and play in our prisons and drug rehabs. And then I said to her sister, did the spirit say how? <laughs> And then I said, you know what, if you can get billeting, I'll put the word out. And, you know, our CAM network, I put the word out. We had 21 people go down and it was amazing. I mean, it was just you see, you know, the, the prophecies of the new evangelism and stuff. And then we expect it to come from down on, mm-hmm. you know, the upper echelon of the church. Here's the instructions. Here's the description. But sometimes it's like stepping out of the boat and going in trust. But the sign we had, we were invited. And that was the genesis, Franciscan and yeah. friends. And every year, we we just kept going back all and the Caribbean been, islands. And you've been to other countries as well. And I love all of Belize, the Dominican. Yeah, and I love what you said that it's really this is like the church from the bottom up. This is how stuff happens. And exactly, and I'm, glad, I'm glad that it was the spirit who started it and not <laughs> somebody else. So then, this idea of basically grabbing your guitar and going, you've you've translated it to a reality that that you live with every day in your city in Calgary. Yeah. You got to have some Willie Nelson songs and some Hank Williams, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's my, you know, that I, I've got a passion for that. So, I mean, I'm playing at a, a, a mass at the reserve with Randy turning rope and 
he's a just a diehard Hank Williams guy. And um, it's been very interesting because he he was, I said, bring your guitar. And he came into church four weeks ago and I said, where's your guitar? Well, it's in my truck, like he was shy. Yeah. But I said, bring it in, man. I said, don't worry. We're, you know, this isn't the Grand Ole Opry. We're just gonna do some tunes for the Lord. So as we started doing that, and then it's just been kind of neat because he can play. Like I heard the, you know, he started picking and throwing these things in. So I think when we're doing this music thing, and there's all different genres that we've encountered in our festivals and concerts, but it's an expression, it's a beautiful expression. And you know, the other neat thing, there's a lot of Christians, there's a lot of people that love gospel. Yeah. And um so that has really been good for us. So we just, we plan an event and um, basically it's an open, like an open mic where people can come and play. Yeah. And, um, and then you make this connection because um, musicians are kind of like thoroughbreds. They like to run, they like to play. And if we, if our role yeah. is just facilitating, organizing things, and we've met so many people that way in that context. So is music, would you say that music is the focus or music is the excuse so that you can go deeper and just build these relationships? No, it's three prong faith, music, and recovery. Because, um, you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic, drug addict, 37 years by the grace of God. And so when I started to recognize this thing of we went out on a project, we had a budget to hire some people, and then first paycheck, they're AWOL. And yeah. one guy I gave a guitar to, and he got paid at this gig and the next gig he didn't show up with he showed up without his guitar he said he had, he pawned it so to start we started to recognize and meet people that had suffered fetal alcohol so we we've developed a very strong relationship with the addiction recovery community in calgary so we were able to pick up the phone for for these guys and, and they got to be ready and, and and i just said listen if you want help just call, let's call this guy and you can get into treatment in your life it's going to bless you so we've had three guys go through in the last two years. One is still sober. The other two are out doing what we call research. But I, but I stay in touch with them because, you know, the, the alcohol is a symptom of something deeper, like a deeper right. woundedness. Right. And we, and we never judge. I just say, yeah. like, I went out the other last week, you know, and I've got a musician friend who I love, you know, he's just got this beautiful face and he's lost three brothers in the last two years. Mm. So when I went out, he was looped and stuff. But I said, come on, we're going to take you for lunch. <laughs> yeah. And so we went downtown. And he said, oh, excuse me a second. So he said he was going to look for a friend. And then uh, he went to the liquor store. <laughs> he got a bottle. And then he said he wanted to go back with his wife. But I didn't judge. I just, yeah, you know, of course. like he reaches out and he calls. And, you know, I see in him, I have no right to judge. I don't know what it's like to, to lose three siblings, one violently and the other two, you mm -hmm. know, addiction. So part of this is to see Christ in the poor. Mm -hmm. And it isn't always a pretty picture because there's just this, this woundedness. But, you know, so the recovery thing is really important. And yeah. we, we, the relationship with the agencies, because the agencies here are, are wanting to reach out and do the truth and reconciliation too. But there needs to be this, this bridge. Yeah. And that's where the music comes in. No, I, I am excited because... It's really, it's, it's the core of doing mission work. Like you're going out, you're meeting people where there are, you're not judging, you're, you're basically becoming their friends. So maybe in closing, Dennis, for those listeners that are thinking, wow, I'd like to do that. I don't know how to be a missionary. I don't have a reserve near me. 
what what do you tell them? What should they do? Well, if they're interested, I want them to call me <laughs> and uh, I will, because we're getting a sense not to get ahead of the Holy Spirit, but our ambition. I've traveled in the United States on the reserves. It's the same climate, same situation. Yeah. And I'm getting a sense. I, I'm, I was born in Peterborough, raised in Ontario, and I know that there's reserves there. I have these yep. old hippie musician friends who are curious, but I'm finding now that we have a little, you know, this concept of a tour bus of musicians and some recovery people and just go, you know, like from town to town and, and, and present this thing. And we, we've done that in Southern Alberta and it's been remarkable. The whole community cuts together in community hall and yeah. they make Indian tacos, you know, and one <laughs> event we were doing, even the gang members were putting their head in the door and thinking what's going on here. Yeah. So I think there's a simple, simple thing, but I always remember what Margaret Mead said, there's nothing stronger than a grassroots movement with passion. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we have this added advantage with the church, the sacraments, we are fed with the finest. So, you know, that inspiration and, and, and those lessons in prayer and discernment of listening to each other, then, then God brings this vision saying, let's just do this. So mm -hmm. I would just say, if they're interested, that I'm telling our, you know, our friends in CAM in the United States, I'm saying, you know, their ministries are sort of stalling. I said, get your guitar, go to the reserve. Yeah. Well, should I talk to the bishop? And I said, well, if he wants to come. <laughs> but you know what? Right. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's scary. We've watched too many John Wayne movies. But after I go, I'm going on Friday to see Leonard Little Mustache. And, you know, it's like Christmas, you know, two more sleeps and stuff. Because I know this encounter thing is that um, St. Vincent de Paul said, go to the poor and you'll find God. I think this is where the grassroots thing comes. You know, you're there, you've been in ministry a long time. People phone. Yeah, and from, it's true. It doesn't matter really where they're from, but it's like, hey, you know, we want to, you know, we want to minister together and connect. And it, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be project oriented, but we have a rosary group. We say every night at 730, you know, and you get Maybe the they can join to that yeah. in the spirit and to pray for people. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's good advice. Uh, Dennis, uh, those uh, people listening, they can contact Dennis. And if you have a guitar, even better. And if you want to just grab your guitar and go, grab your guitar and go. That's all you need. We've got a place for you to stay. We'll look after you. That's great. Thank you, Dennis Grady. It's good to see you, my friend. Yeah, good to see you too, buddy. What you got to get out here sometime again. We'll go. For I'd love day. to do that. Yes, I'll bring my guitar. Okay, ciao. You can learn all about the work of Dennis Grady and Franciscan and Friends at their website, franciscanandfriends.ca. If you missed part of the interview or to listen to it again, head on over to slmedia.org slash podcast. Here now is Dennis Grady with his song, He is God, from his album, Grace in the Strangest Places. I return like 
were listening to He Is God from Dennis Grady's album Grace in the Strangest Places, and that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can find the Salt and Light Hour Catholic podcast wherever you get your podcasts, but if you prefer, you can listen to all our shows at slmedia.org slash podcast. If you do the social media thing, look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or email me, pedro at slmedia.org, I respond to every single email or message that I receive. Be sure to tune in to our Christmas special with all our contributors giving their segments a little Christmas flavor, and we will be meeting liturgical and film score composer Chris De Silva. So I hope that you can join us for that. Remember to stay safe, continue praying for each other, and take care of each other, and have a joyful end to the Advent season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.